The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet Earth. Got to make sure we let people know. Yeah, that it's this planet. It's this planet. We don't care about other planets. Welcome to March 1st. He's Eric Harley. I'm Gary McNamara. We made it to the end of this insane week. Wow. Now, I love this story here. This is one of my favorite stories of the week. Yeah. Because there's no way in modern society to solve now what is it is a greater threat to global health than hunger. And that is? Obesity oh. is now a greater threat to global health than hunger. A new study has found more than one in eight people in the world are clinically obese. As the number passed one billion for the first time, those considered underweight falling to 550 million in the United States. No one. All right, I might have made up that last one. (laughs) Well, so I guess a, a futurist movie wouldn't be about robots taking over. It would be. About the, the rise of the obese taking over the planet, taking control. <laughs> but, but, but follow me if you but want you to can't, live. But you can't solve the problem in our new woke society <laughs> because you can't address. Well, I can't address obesity. I'm surprised they even put this data out. Yeah, how dare you? That's this is fat phobic. How dare you? I can see that professor from Berkeley saying we cannot address. You call it. A pro- See, you're saying that it's a health threat. It's not. It's just a different lifestyle. You, sir, are fat phobic. And what you're doing is you're causing people that simply choose to live another lifestyle, you are causing them grief, and their suicide rate will be higher because of it. They can take my Wendy's Dave's double with extra cheese and mayo. From my nearly dead, cold, chubby fingers. No, you can't do that. You can't. I'm, That's right. You. By can't. the way, by the way, I'm being serious. I mean, we're we're, we're <laughs> of course we all throw jokes in the middle of it, but seriously, how do you do it? You remember a couple of years ago until 
Lizzo got in all those problems of abusing her staff where it was like, you better admit that her and her banana outfit, that she is as beautiful as any other model that exists out there. Otherwise, you are fat phobic. There Meanwhile, is... she's coming down on her own staff. Yeah, I know. That was the best part. Yeah, you're overweight. I'm sorry, what? And they were, some of them were her dancers, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She, and then that, that got dropped very quickly. But you remember that. I mean, the, the pressure was on. No, you must. You, you must admit there is nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong with being obese. Nothing. In fact, you even bringing it up and asking the question is obesity phobia. By the way, when that's a new word, you I and I yesterday that. were talking about Weight Watchers, and I remember the story vaguely from 2018 when they had to drop. I remember them being shamed over fat shaming because they built a business on helping people lose weight and get healthy. How dare you? You know, that was back in 2018, by the way. So they said they were going to have to drop the weight from their name. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Are they going to just become watchers? <laughs> Watchers. That's a level below stalkers. Well, no, if you think about it, if you're just sitting on the couch, just watching, you know, you're not exercising or anything. You're just watching. You just, oh, you're just, okay, you're just it. watching. Okay. Eh, we're just watchers. Well, the, the whole thing is this was this was this whole thing of uh, trying to say that obesity is just another lifestyle, just as healthy as any other lifestyle. No. Number one is a load of of. Well, we know what it's garbage. Yes. A load of garbage. And number two. Mothers are never going to agree to that because I don't know a mother out there. Every mother I know from every friend I know, this is male friend I know, mm -hmm. every time for our entire lives when our mothers saw us, they went, are you getting weight? Yeah. Mom. And my answer to her was, Mom, it's COVID weight. And her question was, well, how much COVID did you eat? <laughs> Moms are never going to go along with this ever. No. No. And, it, and it's funny because... You know, and then I, I lose 10 pounds and she'll go, yeah. oh, but you can't get too skinny. No, I never got that ever from my mom. Yeah. Ever. Oh, didn't yeah. Didn't matter I if did. I... Yeah, no. don't... Listen. Never. You got to be... Listen, you're going to have to carry a little extra weight for for the... And then I get a little... So I put five pounds back on. Oh. No. Ooh, somebody's been stopping at the uh, drive through window getting a couple of shakes every day. The only conclusion is my mom was a misogynist, fat-phobic side, whatever <laughs> Listen, Hold on, let me don't, look. don't try and be a liberal. You'll hurt yourself. <laughs> let me look up to my mom in heaven. Mom, you know I'm joking, and she knows. <laughs> What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Well, the, you know, it's interesting because people say, well, that's just because, you know, you're saying this, you're having, you're having fun with this and everything else because you're not fat. My whole life, I'm a type 2 diabetic. Mm. I got a doctor's appointment again every six months. It used to be when I first got diabetes, I was in every three months. Mm-hmm. Then it went every four months. Mm-hmm. Then it's once every six months for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, weight's everything. When you're a type 2 diabetic, weight is everything. Yeah, well, you know yeah. it's and and when I when I go, it's always been interesting because when I when I go to my doctor, I'll never forget the one time I walked in, and I'm like, you know, you never ask me about my weight, and he just looks sort of he goes no because when I come in I look at your gut I see you walking you're fine, mm-hmm. I said what do you mean he said they don't weigh you before you go in the office. Oh yeah, yeah. I get weighed, but he didn't even yeah, look at it. He didn't look no, at it. No, oh. Yeah, yeah. I, oh yeah. Oh, but I get he never brings time. it up. Was your point? Yeah, but yeah. I, but I do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when I go in, it's like I've got slippers on. I kick off the slippers. It's like I can't wear jeans. I got to wear my light shorts. Mm, the belt weighs an extra pound. Get rid of the belt. Yeah, but by the way, there's a there's a special name um, uh, I, for those scales in doctors' offices. I like to call them liars. <laughs> so I'm like, I look and I go because like the last time I think I. I've lost weight the last two times. I mean, I'm really not fat. I don't have a lot yeah. to lose. Yeah. And uh, we laughed last time about, uh, oh, what do you call the measurement of obesity? The BMI. The BMI. Mm, body mass index. And he just goes, because, you know, yeah, doesn't matter. And, and he did tell me, though, because he's been my doctor for a while, and he knows that, uh, that I had, you know, knee and, and elbow problems joint problems for a long time from playing so much basketball and hockey and you know when i got you know my own exercise equipment in my house i've been working out not to build anything yeah just just to tone but i end up you know you end up becoming bigger and he just says he goes you got a big upper body he said you know and so he said i'm not worried about you at all uh you know with uh with uh you know with your success so far and Holding off type two, which I am, because if you go, if I if I go into the doctor and and I fast normally, you can't tell that I'm a type two diabetic. Cause right, right. I you know now I'm on the lowest level forms of medicine and everything. But to get back to the original point, everything because it goes nope because you're type two diabetic, everything goes to your belly, mm-hmm. everything goes to your belly, everything. Mm-hmm. So I know if you're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. he said, and. Plus the blood work never lies. <laughs> oh, blood work, everything. Yeah. Because blood work never yeah. never lies, and yeah. so. Um, it's something that I'm, I think about what I eat every single day. Mm-hmm. And before I was a type two diabetic and worked out all the time, I really never did. I mean, I try, I ate healthy and everything else, but I didn't think of, you know, calories, carbs. Mm-hmm. I just ate and I probably, by the time I got, I think I got to be about 15 pounds overweight and then when i went on the low carb diet i mean i lost a 15 pounds in a month and a half mm-hmm. and it's funny because you start losing it and all of a sudden your body stops it's like oh yeah and it was like okay now you have to pay attention to carbs and calories so when i'm saying this i'm not mocking anybody who is overweight or obese because it's something that i have to fight in order mm-hmm. to have in order to have a quality of life 
and I fight it. And it's something, it's a lot easier now because I've done it eight years this June mm. when I was mm. diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's easy. And I can actually go in and there can be a breakfast with donuts and everything else. And I can grab a cup of coffee and I look at it. And it's like, whatever. And there may, may be a tiny part of me going, that donut would be good. But I've just, you just sort of train yourself. It's the repetition where that really doesn't bother me anymore. And then when I cheat once in a while, because I'm allowed to cheat, you're allowed to cheat. Mm-hmm. I found even the cheating isn't as rewarding. Because, like, for me, yeah, it was always my big cheat is Chinese food with rice. Because rice, mm-hmm. for a type 2 diabetic, mm-hmm. is your heroin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's so much starch in it. And, yeah, yeah. and so uh, I, I, would, uh, I would get it, and I'd say, okay, I'm going to cheat today. doesn't matter, you know, how much I eat today because I won't tomorrow. And, and by eat, the way, don't pull the cauliflower rice thing on me. No. No, no, no. I can't do that. It doesn't no, work. No, I, I'm work. not that. I've never been big on pasta or rice at all. So I can eat. If I wanted to go, if I wanted to go low carb, uh, I can eat uh, like Kung Pao chicken or something that's relatively low carb. And I don't miss not having the rice if I wanted to do that. I did. By the way, my doctor said that you can go. She suggested a carb free diet. And so now I'm only eating carbs that I don't pay for. And, <laughs> it, you know, you just, you, you just work it out. And just have to, you have to plan ahead. <laughs> I get free food. I'm a talk show host. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's all, it's all carb free. Well, I never thought that I could get over not having rice all the time. Cause I was, yeah. A, yeah. One I of was your, rice. One of your things. Yeah. I will tell you this though, like spaghetti, mm-hmm. they've now there's a, you can get it on Amazon. There's a yeah. company that makes spaghetti, and it's so low carb that I can actually have spaghetti again. Well, and, there, and that that's new study wonderful. that came out that shows refrigerated, refrigerated, yeah, you told me about uh, that, yeah. both rice and pasta lowers the amount of carbs. Can can lower the carbs and also help with with or, uh, with your gut health. And look, I'm not a doctor, so don't don't take this as diet advice. But if that is the case, and it shows to long term shows to be the case then that could be a, a real game changer. In fact, the, a couple of the articles I read about it said for type 2 diabetics especially, this could be a game changer because you could reintroduce it at a, still at a limited level, but you could at least reintroduce it with different counts in your diet. And, and for me, the big incentive is, uh, number one, to not just live but have a healthy quality of life. Yeah, you want you know, to feel I, good. Yeah, I start, I'm starting. I mean, I've been working out like crazy because I started yeah. hitting golf balls this weekend after not hitting them for four months because of my slightly torn meniscus in my knee. Mm-hmm. But everything's healed and ready to go. But we, all, you and I both know people that have type 2 diabetes. Yeah. That yeah. is out of control. Right. Yeah. And if you've ever known anybody who has type 2, and I know a few people who have it really bad, late stages, mm-hmm. their neuropathy is pain you can't handle. Sure. It's yeah. unbelievable it pain is. that you have. It's a horrible, horrible, the last stages of type 2 diabetes. Yeah. Uh, and when I got it, you know, my doctor read me the riot act. He goes, it's your choice whether you live or die and live a t- horrible, terrible life. And then after about three years, that's when he said to me, all right, you want the good news or the bad news? And I said, give me the, the bad news first. And he goes, okay, type 2 diabetes is going to kill you. Well, what the hell's the good news? He said, if you keep the way you're going, you'll be 120 when it does. Yeah. And so the whole point is it's a progressive disease, but you can hold it back. And so far after eight years, you know, I'm still on the lowest, you know, form of 
you know, blood sugar medicine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he feels that, uh, you know, I won't even get to the point of, you know, upper pre-diabetes, as they call it, when you get near, uh, you know, 7A1C. Right. I may not get to that for 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. which puts me well into my 80s. Yeah. And then he goes, there's so many medicines now where you'll probably never have to go through any of that. And he told me, he said, any, anybody who, any patient he's ever had who's tried has never lost any toes or anything like that. Right, yeah. And that's the key mm-hmm. because once that happens, it's, yeah. it's you know, the, uh, the timer's on mm-hmm. at yeah. that point. So, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, we're not making fun. Neither of us, we, we both had – we're not making fun of obesity. We're making fun of the politics of obesity from the left which is trying to, in a, in a way, lionize it as if or, it's, it's or okay. Or promote just, it. Or promote it, right. It, there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Don't worry about it. No, there's problems with being obese, big problems with being obese. You should always look to be healthier than you are today. And it doesn't yeah. matter how healthy you are. You should. It, that's the goal. The healthiest of people work at that goal every day. Yeah, and I would never, I don't ever laugh at anybody, would never make fun of anybody, never did of anybody who was overweight because... I know how hard it is, and I know how food can be, you know, can be addicting, mm-hmm. can be mm-hmm. very addicting. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, but it, our point is the left has to stop this. Well, yeah, quit it's, trying to make it a new civil rights thing. Yeah. Because you're not helping. That's the point, no. is that if you care about it, then it should be a very serious approach to, all right, here are some things you can do to be healthier. If you don't want to focus on the weight thing, I mean, yeah. you know, if, in terms of promoting it or the propaganda, then okay, that's fine. But being healthier includes if you're if you're obese, losing weight. Yeah, I mean, when you look at because Lizzo what was it a year ago, mm-hmm. you know, she was like the the poster child for it, right? You remember she was in those scantily clad off. Isn't she the most beautiful thing? And it was then it got to be the point of. If you don't say that somebody who is way overweight is as attractive as somebody who is not, then you're a bigot and you're a horrible person. Right. And it was like, what is this whole guilt thing, you know, uh, right. going on? And it turns out she's fat shaming her own dancers. Yeah. And and the other thing, like I say, you want to celebrate somebody's music, fine. To celebrate something that for 99% of people that have it is a huge health problem is just so perverted. Yeah. Really is. Right. Especially things, something you can change. Yeah. Not saying it's yeah. easy, but you can change it. 866-90-RED-EYE. This morning's USDA Farm Report is brought to you by Howes Products. Tested, trusted, guaranteed since 1920. Significant wildfire activity in North Texas this week, perhaps curtailed somewhat Thursday thanks to weather conditions and impacted areas. As USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey explains, We are seeing some clouds and even some light rain and wet snow moving across some of these fire-affected areas. So at least a temporary bit of relief for firefighters still trying to contain the edges of some of these formerly fast-moving blazes, which have now become more smoldering blazes, but still active in many cases. Yet there is concern of a return of conditions that fueled multiple fast-spreading wildfires Monday and Tuesday of this week. We're getting back into a situation where we're going to have to watch that area. If these fires aren't fully extinguished by the weekend, we have another round of hot, windy weather coming late in the weekend and early next week. To date, more than one million acres have burned from just the top five active wildfires in Texas.
I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report brought to you by Cenex Fuels and Lubes. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, he is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. The Supreme Court and immunity and the freaking out of the left on this one. It's really just fascinating. Hollywood getting involved in it now. Oh, okay. And now it's uh, you hear the Supreme Court now is uh, basically supporting uh, an insurrection, everything else. And the funny yeah, thing is, it no. was, <laughs> as the Federalist points out, on Monday, Special Counsel Jack Smith requested the Supreme Court take up the question of presidential immunity in an election interference case against former President Donald Trump. It took only a few hours for the court to grant that request. Yeah. Right. Jack Smith asked for it. Right. And it's like, but the timeline isn't today. They're not going to do it till April. And therefore, they're supporting an insurrection. They're an illegitimate court. Yeah. It's like, yeah. wow. Yeah losing it uh we'll we'll it, it they just they're just losing it so we'll get uh uh to that what was the other thing I, there was another thing here uh the border patrol we've covered right yeah oh, oh yeah that uh you you saw where the house voted to uh accelerate the building of nuclear plants in the mm-hmm. united states right right 30 only 36 democrats voted against it hmm is, the rea- is is this all part of the reality is here? Right. Bringing on the chaos. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. Red. I radio and he is Eric Carly and I'm Gary McNamara uh, all right three three dozen progressive House Democrats led by AOC voted against a bipartisan bill that would streamline the federal permitting process for nuclear energy development hmm. Hmm. is this the fir- first move of Democrats because only 36 Democrats voted against it, the far left. Right. The delusional left, which, by the way, Biden was a part of because when he first got into office and we campaigned, only solar and wind, solar and wind. When told you can't do that, it's not consistent, they added nuke. Yeah. But as we said, doesn't matter whether you add nukes or not, whether Congress will fast permit it, it's the NIMBY effect that's going to keep that from happening. That's the problem. When it gets down to the local level, then you're going to have the problem. And we've been watching this for a long, long time. The Congress can deal with it all they want. And you can have whatever policy, but tell me where you're going to put it. Tell me where that production is going to be. And it, there's going to have to be, of course, a strategic uh, placement of these power plants. So... You don't really get to choose, you know, you don't have much choice in that, um, in that strategy. It's, it's going to have to lay out 
according to the grid and the need. Well, then you get down to the NIMBY, and it's usually, yeah, I'm sorry, what? Nope, not in my backyard. Well, it's the same, if you look at it, absolutely, I'm for preventing climate change. Yeah. Are we going to charge you five bucks a month? Right. No! Yeah. Right. But, no, I mean, it's it's... But if you would have told me 10 years ago that the vote to fast-track nuclear plants at the federal level would pass 365 to 36, hmm. I would have said, no way. But now, and this is so important, that in this day and age, everything we're dealing with is now reality. It's not in the future we can run everything by solar and wind. When you see a grid is too dependent on that, you see what can happen. We've seen it in California, seen yep. it in Texas. Yep. And now the panic is setting in. My God, we can't do this. Because yeah. whosoever grid is seriously affected for a significant period of time, that political party loses for a decade. Yep. Yeah. And there's that realization in Democrats now, all right, we need to stop the delusion of just solar and wind. It's not consistent. That's it. It's not cheap. You can't get to the point of the mandates. They know that. So you've got to do what? Well, the agenda requires you to still stay on track for the whole climate change thing. And, hey, keep in mind, they were at one point promoting, well, natural gas. It's clean. So everything goes in circles. Remember the whole, we're not doing paper bags at the grocery stores anymore. We're killing too many trees. Plastic is killing too many whales. Back to paper. Oh, back to your, bring your suitcase or whatever, something else to put your groceries. Bring your own bag. <laughs> BYOB. And that's, you know, the that's the circular logic that comes back over and over again. And this is no different. We're talking nuclear power hasn't gone away for decades. The problem is, how do you get it to happen? Reading here from Breitbart, just the headline, Hollywood going crazy over Trump and the whole Supreme Court taking up the yeah. immunity case. Mm. And it was just funny. It's like, but your guy asked for it. Yeah. Here it is uh, on Monday, special counsel Jack Smith. This is from the Federalist.com requested the Supreme Court take up the question of presidential immunity in the election interference case against former President Donald Trump. It only took a few hours for the court to grant the request. Now, you might uh, be under the impression that such a quick result would generate, would greatly, excuse me, not generate, would greatly please Democrats. But there's a major hitch. It seems that the justices forgot to ask Rachel Maddow to plan their schedules. Uh, though the court expedited the case, arguments won't be heard until April, a decision likely to come in late June, making it unlikely, though not impossible, that there will be a trial before the 2024 election. With the news, scores of left-wing pundits accuse the justices of conspiring to help Trump win the election by granting the special counsel, special counsel Democrat Jack Smith's request, Chris Hayes complained, it was a clear, unmistakable sign from the MAGA majority of the Trump-created court that they are with him. 
that they are going to use their power to make sure that he does not face trial in an election year for attempting to end American democracy. Sometimes I wonder if Hayes and the others who happily watch constitutional protections and procedures dismantled when it suits their partisan needs know they are engaged in the mass act of projection. Consider that Hayes demands that SCOTUS render a judgment on a historic immunity case on a schedule that comports with the partisan objectives of Democrats. Namely, putting Trump in front of a judge at the height of the 2024 presidential campaign. Or in other words, Hayes wants the court to do the very thing he contends is corrupt for the court to do. Notice uh, as well that the MAGA majority court can only be legitimate if it rules in favor of the left. Like every institution, the contemporary left's consequentialist outlook demands partisan outcomes by Trump created, of course, Hayes means the duly elected president-nominated justices, and then the duly elected Senate confirmed them as prescribed by the Constitution. Mm. The self-styled guardians of democracy have spent years delegitimizing members of the court with a slew of smears and gymmed-up non-controversies. Beats debating issues, I guess. While rejecting SCOTUS as a corrupt institution is the norm, questioning the agenda or integrity of the Biden's Department of Justice run by political appointees is to attack the very edifice of democracy. Still, it should not go unnoticed that the January 6th riots occurred in early 2021, which is to say is over three years ago. Mm. You should be highly skeptical that Donald Trump's prosecution has landed perfectly to coincide with the presidential election, thus promising maximum political uh, impact by happenstance. (laughs) Indeed, the panic over timing reads like an explicit admission that the Trump prosecution is integral to the president's re-election hopes. Biden basically admitted as much when he grumbled and telegraphed to Merrick Garland that the AG wasn't acting in an aggressive enough partisan manner. Then you have here the Supreme Court trumps Jack Smith. Uh, The justices are right to rule on Trump's immunity claim, even if it delays the trial. Uh, You can't say that the current Supreme Court lacks courage. A safe political play for the justices would have been to dodge the issue of Donald Trump's immunity from prosecution. But on Wednesday, they decided to hear his appeal, uh, appeal on the merits of the law and presidential power. Democrats were hoping the justices would pass on the case and let the recent D.C. Court of Appeals ruling against immunity stand. But as we warned on February 7th, the sweeping and dismissive nature of the D.C. Circuit Court ruling made it more likely that the high court would take the case. So here we go. The Supreme Court put the question it will hear on appeal this way. Quote, whether and if so, to what extent does a former president enjoy presidential immunity from criminal prosecution for conduct alleged to involve official acts during his tenure in office. A key part of that sentence is alleged to involve official acts during the tenure in office. In denying immunity, the trial judge in the D.C. Uh, circuit panel blew past that point as if it didn't exist. 
Yet that was the core part of the Supreme Court's precedent on presidential immunity in Nixon versus Fitzgerald in 1982. That was a civil case involving a lawsuit, but the court clearly wants to consider whether that precedent applies to criminal prosecution as well. The justices in Nixon ruled that a former president had absolute immunity from lawsuits for official acts within the outer perimeter of his official duties, lest they make it impossible for a president to fulfill those duties while in office. If a rush of lawsuits could be crippling to a presidency, what about the threat Theft, excuse me, the threat of post-presidential prosecutions. The D.C. opinion suggested that this would be no problem for future presidents because Mr. Trump poses a unique threat to the rule of law. Uh-huh. But in the threat, uh, but is the threat of jail less serious than the threat of civil liability? And that's a great point. Uh, once the precedent of prosecuting a former president has been set as it has been by special counsel Jack Smith, why wouldn't future Justice Departments do the same, starting perhaps with former President Biden in 2025? Mr. Trump has already said Joe would be ripe for indictment. The statute books are full of laws that a partisan prosecutor might exploit against Joe Biden. The immunity question is important far beyond Mr. Trump's fate. You know, it's sort of... uh, Reminds me, I saw that there was a, oh, a, a liberal professor, I think, on MSNBC yesterday saying, we have too much freedom of speech, and the yeah. freedom of speech is allowing misinformation. Where is the greatest amount of misinformation coming from right now in the United States? Mm. It's the left. This administration. Yep. They lie about everything. Yep. I'll give you a perfect example. The border is secure. So while they sit there and say, we need to stop disinformation or misinformation, whatever you wish to call it, uh... <laughs> It's going to go both ways if you decide to cut up the First Amendment. Yeah. Now, in this case here, I think you're going to have probably, I heard Dershowitz yesterday uh, talk about it. I think you'll probably have a split ruling. You're not going to have what the president wants, which, which is, or excuse me, the what President Trump wants, which is uh, total immunity for anything, anytime, mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. No. I hope that wasn't a disservice for him making that case. But what they want to go after him from are what he viewed as official duties uh, that he saw as, you know, the political official duties. You know, it's about an election, and he believed, his, his argument is, I believe it was stolen. I don't believe we should go through this process. We should go through another process. You might disagree with him, but that's not a criminal act. Right. Well, and, you know, um, look, there is no law that exists that makes that a criminal act. And they're they're talking about the fact that you were disrupting whatever that law is, disrupting Congress. No, you're not. Didn't disrupt Congress. No, they didn't go along with it. The vice president, they moved on and did their own thing. Right. Or any attempt. Well, no, he suggested his vice president at the time do something that ultimately didn't happen. Right. So how many conversations would you bring in in order to, between a president and a vice president, to say, well, that was, you know, this is a a conspiracy to do this or whatever it might be. Attempted this. My gosh, you could apply that. 
It would be never ending if we get into this habit of going down this road and they don't have immunity on these levels, then all bets are off. Forget about the whole thing we said about impeachment. It won't be about impeachment anymore. It'll be about putting them in jail. Every one of them. Doesn't matter which party. Because if you're going to do that and you're going to set that precedent, then there's no way the Republican Party doesn't come back at the Democrats. And if you wish to put it, not in any type of criminal behavior, but speech. Mm, yeah. I think you should do this. Mm. No, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, right. And make that a crime where you jail presidents. All bets are off. Oh, my gosh. All bets are off. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. What about the big game this weekend? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just in the habit. There is no big game this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> no, there isn't. <laughs> Go- hey, you know what it is? Mm-hmm. This weekend? What? I attempt to hit golf balls again. Ooh. My first time hitting All golf right. balls in four months. All right. You're going to go out to the I, uh, I give, I driving range? or Yeah. All right. Yeah. Only going to try to hit 20 or 30 golf balls, though, to see how the knee is. Right, okay. Now, I was supposed to be off it for, like, really six to eight weeks. Right. It's been four. I mean, it's been, like, 16 weeks. Mm. I just decided, nah, since it's wintertime, give it extra rest. Sure. So we'll see. Never hurts. Yeah. We'll see. Well, good luck. Uh, Hope it works out. I'll let you know on, you know I'll let you know on Sunday night, Monday morning. (laughs) (laughs) As you limp in. (laughs) is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.